Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff and welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. This week on The Real Guy Podcast, we're going to do an interview with Rachel Silverstein and talk about Channel 10 and all of the drama that went on here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, <clears throat> a little different, we're mixing up the format where it's interview style, we're trying to make it short and pithy so you guys can get all the pertinent information in a short amount of time. I hope you enjoy this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Drama. A lot of drama this week in Broward County. The fight for clean water. And I got to tell you, it's about time there's a little bit of drama. There's a lot of things in life you want to stay away from drama. But in our particular case, in our fight for clean water... Drama is good. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we can leverage a little bit of drama. Channel 10 drops the bomb this week on the city of Fort Lauderdale on a controversial statement about the water testing that they're doing here. Okay, So the Miami Waterkeeper is doing 10 tests a week at 10 different locations that's known for recreational water use all through the city of Fort Lauderdale. The first test results came back. And let's just say there was a little bit of drama, conflict. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because I want to commend Channel 10 for one actually doing real reporting on the water issues that we have here in South Florida. Because usually the reporting is only done when there's a big catastrophe, you know, like here in Fort Lauderdale with the giant sewer mains bursting and then they can get all that crazy footage of the sewage in the canals or dead fish up in Biscayne or down in Biscayne Bay, you know, algae bloom happened, the dead fish were all over the place and they were able to get that kind of drama. But this week's drama was a little bit different. And I'll tell you why, because Channel 10 did some responsible reporting about how the first water test went over. And the city of Fort Lauderdale took the Miami Waterkeepers' um, reports in an odd way when you develop a a relationship or a partnership with somebody. Now, supposedly, the Miami Waterkeepers and the city of Fort Lauderdale have a partnership through this contract of water testing. The reason they would have the partnership would be the goal for clean water. The city of Fort Lauderdale took offense to too much um, negative reporting. Let's just say we'll call this growing pains. That's where the conflict was. But that is good in a way. Because Channel 10 reported on it. The conflict came out. Therefore, there was some drama. And people around South Florida actually paid attention and got information on how the steps were going or how the partnership was doing or what the tests results were actually going to accomplish. First of all, it's a major win because if people are paying attention and at the Coastal Community Network yesterday, we got over 52 emails from different people that were following the story. Forget about the facts of the story, just the fact that they were following the story. That's a huge win because something like this 
if it would have went on five or six years ago, nobody would have known it was happening or paying it or paid attention. But anyway, partnership, growing pains. Um, these are water tests. There's nothing, nothing easy about tests. There's nothing fun about tests, no matter which way you look at it. Whether you're doing a test in school or you're doing a test to find out about water quality, tests are not exactly what you would call fun. And there's always some pain that goes along with tests. Let's just call this drama that went on this week a little bit of pain. And from what I've learned from others, the way to get change is through first having some conflict. So we can count this as a positive thing. I'm counting as a positive thing. What was more positive about the conflict is that both the city and Miami Waterkeepers were able to adjust and move forward. All right? So anyway, good thing about that is we can look forward to more tests, which brings me to the next big thing. <laughs> it's amazing what I'll call big things nowadays. But we've got a lot of smart people that follow the CCN, that follow the fight for clean water. And these smart people are asking really intelligent questions, which is good. And it's bad. So I'm going to read you a question and remark by a really smart person. Then we'll, then we'll analyze it and we'll go over it. So they wrote on the Coastal Community Network page, what is the point of just retesting every single week if they're not going to do anything to remediate their issue? Do they think bacteria is just all of a sudden going to migrate out of these areas, especially places like Tarpon River and Hemershey, which have very limited water flow? Excellent question, right? Makes a lot of sense. The problem with making a lot of sense and be, trying to be an intelligent and using common sense is that it doesn't necessarily work when we're dealing with government, government issues, and you want the government to do things for you, like be held accountable for cleaning up the water system here in Fort Lauderdale or across the street or in all coastal communities. But the big problem is smart people try to make common sense out of it. And there's not a lot of common sense to be made. But to answer Zach's question, at least from my opinion, the water test weekly will give us a baseline over the course of the year of different times they test according to how much it rained, what tide it was, what time of year it was, different levels, which I will be cutting Rachel Silverstein in from the Mining Water Keepers soon um, to give it right out of the horse's mouth, exactly why we do these water tests. And it's an ongoing process. To me, in the Coastal Community Network, I like the test being done every single week because every single week we can learn one little thing. And hopefully, as people in the Coastal Community Network learn these things, it'll motivate them and inspire them to do more. Because if you analyze the question and you talk about they, okay, in this particular question, that they would be the government. Before we get into that, let's just take a second and talk about our main sponsor, Nautical Eye. Not only is Nautical Eye the best weather app you'll ever use, but you get full environmental intelligence. Let's just say you were going on a trip 
a fishing trip to Tampa, and you wanted to know the tide and the weather. You wanted to know where to go. But most of all, you want to know what kind of fish you may be able to catch. There's a network of guides that advertise on Nautical Eye. And if you're a guide and would like to advertise on Nautical Eye and give your fishing reports for the people that are getting ready to plan their trips, use the promo code LUNKER and get your first month free and see if it works for you. Nautical Eye, the best weather app you'll ever use. The government doesn't do anything, even if it makes common sense, unless a whole bunch of people, and I mean a whole bunch, we need thousands of people to follow this type of media and this type of progression and to be interested in what's going on every single week. That needs to be the goal. Asking smart questions and trying to get intelligent answers out of the question. You can get answers to your questions, but you're going to have to do that by giving a little bit of effort, listening to different podcasts or following different social media forums and stuff where people are talking about that. So anyway, what makes sense and what is smart is intelligent isn't necessarily what the focus should be. The focus, in my mind, is never going to be anything except for educating, uniting, motivating people, and then asking the government, whether it's the city government, state government, federal government, counties, all the different sections and jurisdictions, but there's got to be thousands of people putting tons of pressure on those people. And without that pressure, nothing ever happens. I've done so many interviews and so many podcasts with all these different experts. And I like to ask the same question because I want to know what guys like I can do, what guys like you can do. And they give us the um, answer. And a lot of them use the metaphor, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. The squeaky wheel gets the attention. In other words, don't try to be intelligent about it. Don't try to overthink this. It's all about how many people we can get to pay attention to the issue and then how many people we can get to take action when something like this happened in Fort Lauderdale this week. They did the test. The test results came back. Rachel Silverstein and the water keepers announced the test results verbatim, not holding anything back. Obviously, the city of Fort Lauderdale didn't like the way they presented the facts. The city of Fort Lauderdale went back, talked to Rachel about it. They obviously discussed what the issues were, and they're moving forward, and we should all celebrate that next week there's going to be another test. Which also gives you the opportunity to talk to your friends and to start educating and uniting more people because more people is the key. Like, don't overthink it. You know what I mean? But, but kudos to uh, Channel 10 News for actually doing follow-up investigative reporting and paying attention to the story. Because the details, you know, is what people can learn from. And they gave us some decent details. And they followed the story so other people could follow the story, which is my whole thing on how responsible the media has been with the water quality issues. So kudos to Channel 10. Second thing that comes to mind is in that statement, 
We keep saying they, 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 they being the government. It's not they. The government's never going to do this on their own. It's we, we, we. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How much pressure can we put on our local government, on our state government, to make it happen? Because when you ask the question, what are they going to do? They ain't going to do anything. Unless thousands of people follow the issue. And there is serious concern. And then they will make it a priority. And then we, the people, hold them accountable. Which is the whole process. It's not a real smart process or the most... You know, it's just dumb, but it's the way it works. Let's get into the water test and um, what we were able to learn from Rachel this week. Rachel, it's great to have you on the Real Guy podcast. I wanted to follow up with a question that I got off the internet. Really smart, intelligent question. What is our goal um, that we should think about when we do these water tests consecutively over the course of the year? That's, you know, 52 different tests. Yeah, so we're really excited to get to start this uh, new expanded water quality monitoring at 10 locations around the city of Fort Lauderdale. And these are all sites that were chosen in conjunction with both the city and uh, members of the public who routinely use the water at these locations. So really the goal here is to understand the bacteria levels in the water to let the public know when it's safe to be swimming or boating or paddleboarding or, or water skiing in these areas. So to answer the question, you know, um, why do we do the water test over and over again, week after week, when they don't remediate anything, it's a public health issue. So Waterkeeper is really into the public health issue of the whole thing. So Rachel, bottom line, what exactly did you learn from the very first batch of water tests? Um, So we weren't sure what to expect because it was our first time sampling in many of these locations. And we know that there had been water quality issues here in the past. Um, And what we ended up finding that 40% of the locations that we sampled actually exceeded um, the um, EPA's recommended guidelines on um, when it's safe to swim in the water. So when Rachel explained that, I was, you know, pretty taken back. But it just goes to show you that, you know, if you're going to get in the water and do some swimming, paddleboarding, kayaking, you damn sure better check if the water is good to get in there. So the next big question I asked Rachel was, you know, how bad was it? Was it just a little off or was it like bad? And uh, she explained it perfectly. The cutoff is at 70 um, most probable number of colonies of bacteria. um, And these areas had... Um, from 500 to 600. And wow. So, yeah. So we these are these are fairly high numbers. Like something like raw sewage, or if you had like a sewage spill or something like that, would be in in, in the thousands. You know, like 10, 10, 30, 50, 000. Um, So we're not at that level, but this is definitely a high, um, you know, high exceedance. So what what else can we expect? You know, to see in out of the different results that you're going to be able to pull out of these tests? Data, not just about bacteria levels, but also dissolved oxygen levels, um, which can tell us really how healthy the ecosystem is. If you get low dissolved oxygen levels, um, you can get fish kills, like the ones we saw um, down in Biscayne Bay over the summer. Um, And we'll also be able to look at... um, turbidity and total suspended solids. So that's basically like how much stuff 
is in the water, how cloudy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, chlorophyll A, which is um, will tell you how much algae is present in the water. And if, if there's, you know, early warning, basically, for an algae bloom. So the, the, the neat thing about the way I'm doing this podcast, I'm asking Rachel these questions, and then I'm kind of editing everything out so you can get it in short form. But we did this before Channel 10, and we did this before all the drama. And I wanted to know exactly her opinion on what she thought she was going to get out of the relationship with the city of Fort Lauderdale. Forming. So... Um, we're going to get really interesting information. Of course, this was just the first week of sampling, and um, we're excited to keep going. We have right now a one-year contract, so we'll be sampling every week for a year. And over that time, we'll get a really good understanding of, of the baseline of um, what the water quality is like at these locations. And we'll, of course, be immediately sharing that information with the public so that everybody can can be connected to their water, the quality of the water, and see if there's issues. See, that, I think, was key. Um, Because remember, these questions were before um, all this drama. So Rachel had every intent on sharing all the information with the public. I just think it's a little hard to swallow, at least from the city's standpoint, how bad the water really is. I wanted to know um, exactly what Rachel was looking for in these tests and... She gave us a great explanation with certain types of bacteria. So here's Rachel um, explaining exactly what she was looking for. Fecal indicator bacteria, um, which is a technical term for meaning that it's bacteria that's usually found associated with sewage. And so the EPA has said this is a really good way to track sewage um, by looking at these kinds of bacteria. So soon um, I... I went into a different category with Rachel, and I wanted to know if these tests would um, indicate anything other than sewage, and this is what she had to say. So oftentimes we see after rains really high bacteria levels because all of the stuff in the storm drain is ending up in the waterway, Um, and that can be, you know, any number of things that affect water quality from oil and grease um, to clippings, to chemicals, to pet waste um, that all gets washed into waterways um, almost untreated through the stormwater system. So that's really something to look out for um, is, is whether or not it, we're in the rainy season. And so right now water quality is going to be a little bit better than um, during the summer when you have constant rain and, and flushing through the stormwater system into the waterways. Right, right. Okay. And the last thing I wanted to um, ask you um because I'm going to keep the questions up as the testing goes on. Okay. And I want people to get the most out of the um, process. Great. You know, and I'm hoping that um, by you explaining these little things, um, maybe once or twice a month, that it'll help people to really be able to summarize and analyze um, and get a good grip on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, what if these, um, so right now I got, we got 40% of the locations here in Fort Lauderdale that are, um, failing what can we expect from the government or what should we expect from the government if we keep seeing this happening yeah so what one of the important things to do is to really um you know this is really a snapshot of what the water quality is like on on a given day and time when it's sampled and what we really need to do is to get more information over time um rainy season dry season under under all sorts of different conditions and really 
see over a larger period of time what what water quality is like because you can't tell too much from just one uh, sampling period. Um, so the, all of this information, both the current, like what's the water quality like right now can be found on Swim Guide. If you want to see a longer history, you can actually go to miamiwaterkeeper.org and we're going to have all of um, the data available to the public um, there on our website if you want to check out what the water quality is like over time. Um, if we see areas that are hot spots, um, we're going to be in contact with the city of Fort Lauderdale about tracking down where that bacteria might be getting into the water from and what might be causing the those water quality issues. Um, and some of the things that the city can do is um, look at the stormwater master plan um, and, and address if there are problematic stormwater outfalls, figuring out ways to get those fixed. Um, it, they can... Um, you know, I know they're doing a lot of work on their um, their wastewater infrastructure. So as those projects progress, I think you'll probably hopefully see an improvement in water quality. Um, and the city can also um, do, do something if they need to called molecular microbial source tracking. Um, so, the, so the city can also do microbial source tracking, and that will actually look at the DNA of the specific bacteria that we're finding, um, and it can tell you which source it's coming from. So is it coming from dog? Is it coming from human? Is it coming from bird, uh, for example? And that can give you another level of information uh, to tell you exactly where these sources are coming from. And we're also, you know, when we're out there sampling, we're looking around at the whole area to see what kind of activity is going on, uh, what the water call, what, what the color of the water is, what it looks like, um, what the weather's like, um, and all these other parameters that we're collecting as well. And all together, that can give us a good picture um, of what's going on with the water quality. And hopefully, if, if hopefully we won't have any hot spots of bacteria, but if we do, we'll um, put all that information together to help uh, the city track down where that bacteria might be coming from. Awesome. Rachel Silverstein on the Real Guy podcast. Um, we feel very fortunate to get the uh, good advice from you and um, look forward to talking to you in the future about more water testing here in Fort Lauderdale. Always really appreciate it. With you, Jeff. Thanks for highlighting these issues for everybody. Well, this will be the first of many, I hope. And Rachel, I'll keep up the it. keep up the good work. You too. Take care. So there you have it. That was the um, new style interview that um, I did with Rachel Silverstein from the Miami Waterkeepers. Hopefully that'll put out a little bit of the fires that we're having here with all the drama that's going on between the city uh, terminating them, which we have learned that that is not the plan of the city. So we'll just call this a little hiccup. Um, a little way of getting to know one another and a start to a relationship. Anyway, thanks for uh, tuning in to the Real Guy podcast, and I hope you like this style of interview. And if you haven't um, given us a rating on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate that. That goes a long way. Also, um, if you haven't become a member of the Coastal Community Network, just remember the Coastal Community Network is the network that makes content that counts, makes media something that the real guy can take a hold of. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast and run that dog.